How about everybody turn now to Psalm 34, verse 8. And while you're doing that, I was going to tell you, I never thought that I would wear a purple shirt. I always was afraid to do so because when I was a little bit younger, not much younger, but when I was a little bit younger, people always thought I looked like Barney, the dinosaur. And so I always swore that I would never wear a purple shirt. But I swore wrong because... I thought, why not? So I bought this, but this is not quite burning purple, but still. So today was a first in that sense, and I never thought I'd wear a hat like this, like this at least. But that being said, you never know what's going to happen. So I'm wearing a purple shirt for the first time like this. Anyway, so it's a first. Thank you, but here's one for yourself. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Psalm 34, verse 8. Let's all please stand to honor the reading of his word. It says in Psalm 34, verse 8. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. God bless and honor the reading of his word and you may be seated. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. So as you can see, i got a little bit of really wonky stuff going on here. Just a little bit. But let me tell you a little secret about that. Yeah, I got my cane, but I always have a cane now. At least for now. Let me tell you a little secret about how I feel about the movie Willy Wonka. I love it now. But I hated it in the beginning. I hated it. And the reason is quite simple. When I was younger, we used to have a church that was way out in Kansas. I was about three, three or four, and we used to be way out in Kansas. And on the way home, we would want to see the movie of the day on Sundays. They used to show a movie of the week on Sunday afternoons. And I would want to see it. Uh, and so when I was little, they would show those uh, movies, and I'd be excited about what's it going to be. Well, one day they decided to show Willy Wonka uh, in the Chocolate Factory. And I was very excited about seeing it. But I never did watch it all the way. And uh, partially because it's bizarre, and he acts bizarre all the way till the end of the film. But I didn't know that at the time. But the reason why I never watched it, couldn't watch it all the way, is because, uh, besides the fact we didn't see all the beginning, because, you know, we was gone for so long until we got home. And back then, you folks, you, you couldn't just pause and all that. You know how it was. But either way, it's because a couple weeks before that, there was another movie on. A movie that I also love now. But at the time, I was a little scared of. It was made also in England, and uh, so it had a, a similar feel. And it was made just a couple years before that. It came out in the late 60s, and uh, it was made in the late 60s. And it was uh, in this movie, the uh, Willy Wonka came out in the early 70s. This film was called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and I also love that. But at the time, I was terrified because in that film, there was a Candyman who also wore a top hat, and that Candyman was always trying to get the kids to come into his little trolley. You remember that? He was trying to get the kids to come in his trolley. And that Candyman and Willy Wonka, who also acted weird, has some similarities in that. So as a little bitty kid, three years old or so, I was terrified of the Candyman because I thought he was going to get me. And now I'm terrified of Willy Wonka because of some similarities. So I couldn't finish watching it. I'm embarrassed to admit that to you, by the way. 
I'm embarrassed to tell you that as, as a little bitty kid, I was terrified of Willy Wonka. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified. I was terrified of the Candyman. In my three-year-old brain, I was terrified of the Candyman. I was terrified of Willy Wonka because I thought he was another version of the Candyman. And so, yes, every time, and I heard it a lot, every time I heard Sammy Davis Jr. sing, who can make the sunshine? Who can? The Candyman. I was terrified. I thought it was a scary song. <laughs> the Candyman can. That's just how it was. And so today's sermon is called Sweeter Than Candy. So in reality, there's a lot of things we could talk about when we talk about candy today. Uh, and in fact, when it comes to talking about this, in some ways, we're talking about Satan. Now, this is not to say that anytime you all eat candy, which is weird, by the way, seeing how I just handed out a lot of candy. But in this case, in the beginning here, we're talking a little bit about the devil. The devil, Satan, is like the candy man in the, in the world today. He has out all sorts of candy to people and tells them to come to, the, to what I want to give you. What is it that you want in the world? I can give it to you. Whatever you find sweet, I will give to you. That's what the devil does. He knows what people find sweet. He knows what people find sweet when it comes to the lust of the flesh. He knows what it is. He will give it to them. What is it their taste buds want? He'll give it to them. Of course, we're talking about the taste buds here being sin. He knows what their sweet tooth is. Now, the candy man I'm talking about, of course, being kind of like that candy man in Chichi Bang Bang I was talking about. I remember he went around that movie and he said cupcakes, lollipops, and he he distracted them and enticed them. He got them in the back of his trolley. You remember that? He, had, he got them in the back of his trolley to distract them and trap them and would throw them into prison, so to speak. That's how the devil does. He entices you. He traps you. And he gets you into the trolley, which is sin, which is death, which is eternal damnation. That's what the devil does. He will entice people and trap them with whatever it is that people find enticing. That's what he does with life. He does this in some ways by making it look as if the Lord God is boring, moldy, old, something you don't want to be around. But we'll get to that in a minute. Let me just tell you. There's nothing wrong with enjoying sweets. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to be careful what sweets you enjoy. Because the devil's sweets are not what they appear to be. God's sweets are wonderful and outstanding and amazing in the long run. But you know, the, devil's been, the devil has been doing this pretending to be the candy man from the beginning of all time. He did it in heaven with his fellow angels, and that's why some of them have fallen away. He pretended to have something sweet and wonderful. He, he made it look as if he could take over heaven, you remember? And look what happened. He even did it in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? In the Garden of Eden, he went to Adam and Eve, you remember? He had the forbidden fruit. People say, well, God shouldn't have put it there if he didn't want him to have it. Folks, he had fruit all around Eden that they could have. That's not what was so sweet. What was so sweet is not what they could have, but what they couldn't. Do you remember what it was like as a kid? My mom and dad said, okay, okay, you guys can stay up all day long, but once 9 o'clock comes, or whatever time it was for you, once 9 o'clock comes, you have to go to bed. So you would stay up and you'd play games, or you would watch a show, but, man, you would hear that clock, tick, 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 and, man, the clock just started going so fast once 9.30 or 8.30, whatever. And then all of a sudden, that last second, it hit. And all of a sudden, you knew. You knew the moment you hit the bed, party started. 
You knew the moment you went to bed that money was just popping out of the couch and everything wonderful was happening and whoever it was that you loved, whether it be Mickey Mouse or whatever, was coming over and visiting. They, they all waited till you were in sleep. You know that, right? Everything you loved happened the moment you went to sleep. Nothing good happened until you went to sleep. That's how your imagination works because that is the way it is. And the devil's the same way. He makes you believe that everything wonderful, every kind of wonderful thing happens that you're missing out on. He does that to the lost folks. He does that. And he tries the same thing with Christians too. God doesn't want you to have fun. There's nothing fun that you're getting. You're getting all the nothing. You're getting all the nothing. And all the lost are getting the something. There's something wonderful and great. That's how it is. You know, everybody has a sweet tooth. Everybody has a sweet tooth. We all do. You know, some people say, I just don't like candy. I don't believe that. I just believe everybody's candy, everybody's sweet tooth is a little bit different than everyone else's. Okay, so some people's sweet tooth might be for something natural and all that, but everybody's got a sweet tooth. Somebody's sweet tooth may not be a Snickers bar, how dare you? But somebody's Snickers, sweet tooth may not be a Snickers bar. It might be a cupcake. It might be a piece of pie. I don't blame you. I don't know if you can tell by looking at me. I've enjoyed it all. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is everybody's got a sweet tooth. And you know what? Everybody's got a sweet tooth when it comes to the flesh as well. We've all got weaknesses. We've all had sins that we've fallen to. Temptations that hit that tooth. Oh, I know. That sounds strange. But we all have that tooth that hits. And Satan knows, by the way. He knows what hits our tooth. What hits that sweet tooth. He knows what it is. You know, there can be temptation set in front of you that has nothing to do with me. It has nothing. It won't hit me at all. Whether it be pride. Whether it be lust or whatever it might be of, of some sort. Whatever it might be, it may not hit me at all, but it might hit you just right. It might hit the taste bud just right of that tooth, this sweet tooth. And vice versa. Vice versa. You, you may not be glutton whatsoever. I might be. It, whatever it might be. But the fact of the matter is that Satan knows his sweet tooth. Now, how does he know that? He, he's not like God, by the way. Satan's not like God. He doesn't know every thought. And don't believe that he does, because he doesn't. Satan is not like God. He's not everywhere. He's not everywhere at all the time. And that's why he has to have demons all over the place to try to work things out. He's not like God. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He's not like that. However, what he does do, he tests us. Okay, Philip doesn't have a sweet tooth there. I'm just surprised Philip has teeth at all. No, but Philip doesn't have a sweet tooth there. But he does have a weakness there. Philip doesn't have a weakness here, but he has a weakness there. And he does the same for you, by the way. He knows what your sweet tooth is. And so, therefore, he tests it. He tests it. He tests whatever your sweet tooth is. So, sometimes he knows that whatever your weakness is, he'll try it on that. And by the way, he's ta I'm talking about all your weaknesses. He knows them and he tries them. He knows if your weakness is lack of self-respect. He knows if your self-assurance is down, he's going to try that. He knows if you have a, a problem with this or that, and he'll he'll let you try it. Oh, I'm no good. He'll let you work on that a while. And then he knows if you have a weakness with something else. And and I'm not going to go through all the different weaknesses. I'm not going to do that right now because we don't need to do that. We don't need to, to self-loathe and go through all that. But we know that he works upon them. He knows how to hit those teeth just right. And, of course, we're talking spiritually, not physically. Listen to what it says in James chapter 1, 13 through 15. That's what it says here. Let no man say when he is tempted, 
No one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. Remember, James is the brother of Jesus Christ. This is half-brother. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone. But each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. When Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Now, is it a sin to be tempted? We've talked about this before. Is it a sin to be tempted? No. It is a sin to stay in that temptation. And I've mentioned this before. But if you're, let's say, a diet, which I'm on and I've been on diets for, if uh, you're on a diet, you don't stay in the candy aisle. You just don't do it. Let's say that, that there's something else that you're allergic to. Somebody, let's say, is allergic to peanuts. You don't stay where they sell planters. You just don't do it. And you say, oh, well, i got a weakness there. Well, quit standing next to the Mr. Peanut. You don't do it. You know, t t take your top hat off, take your little cane away, the little uh, whatever you call it, a pinnacle thing. You take it away. You, you don't get a, near the peanuts if you can't be near it. Because if that's a weakness in your life, you don't stand near it. And I'm talking, in, that's, of course, met metaphorically, because if in reality you have a weakness in your life, whatever it might be, if you have a weakness in lying, don't go near the gossips. If you have a problem with gossiping, if you have a problem with lying, stay away from the things that tempt you with that. If you have a problem with something else, stay away. That's what we have to do. You know, I, I've said this before, I'm sure. I have, at least the friends, I don't know if I've done it on a sermon before, but say, I used to sing a song as a small child, and my mom, oh, my mom, was a great cook. Always had been. And she used to make pies and other things for desserts. Talking about sweet tooth here. And I didn't always like the things that she cooked uh, because I was spoiled to my own uh, likes and dislikes. And since I've got older, I've got better about that. But there's times I'll eat green beans that I used to hate. And a lot of times I'll eat oatmeal what I used to hate. I love it now. But the thing is, as a kid, I didn't want to eat all that healthy junk. <laughs> I wanted just the pies. I didn't want to eat all the stuff that's good for you. Why do that when you can have pies and ice cream? And that's what you want, right? So what was the song I came up with for my own? I'm full for my supper, but not my dessert. Well, folks, there's a lot of people, when I'm talking spiritually now, who they don't want what's good for them. They don't want to read the Word. They don't want to worship. They don't want to be at church. They don't want all the goodies of the world. That's what they want. They're full for the supper, but not the dessert, not the things that Satan brings to the flesh. They're full for the supper, but not their dessert. There's a problem with eating nothing but sweets. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 25, 27. It is not good to eat too much honey. Okay, And, and we're not talking about sin here in this, sense, in this sense. Whenever it says there's nothing wrong with having honey later on in certain verses, talking about how honey is good for you, that's talking about literal honey, okay? And talking about spiritual sweetness. But in this case, it says it is not good to eat too much honey, or it's not good to eat too much honey, or seek glory after glory. In other words, uh, to seek uh, 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 people wanting emotional sweets being glorified to themselves. So it's not good to seek too much honey or seek glory after glory. We're not to want that. We're not to seek those things that make us feel good all the time. We're not to seek those things. It's bad for us, but we just don't know it yet. These are the things that we are always after, the things that feel good. We want emotional highs. We want to feel good all the time. 
But if we go for what feels good all the time, it's not going to be good for us. But we got to learn that. It took me a long time. Oh, yes, I was full for my supper, but not my, my dessert. And look what it does to you. Look what it does to you. The fact is we're on the devil's playing ground. we got to remember that. When we're in this war, we're on the devil's playing ground. So spiritually speaking, if we go out there always doing what feels good to the body, and I'm talking about the flesh, if we do that and we don't listen to what God's trying to tell us to help us grow in the spirit, then we're going to become out of shape. We're going to become out of shape spiritually. We're not going to grow the way we should, and I know that. When I first started teaching the little children in Sunday school, there was a game I used to play with kids called Candyland. You all remember that game, Candyland? Oh, it's been around for a long time. And I loved it. And it was smart because they said that they wanted to teach little kids how about numbers and all that uh, using candy. What could be more fun than candy? Uh, a woman with her kids made it up, and they gave it to, uh, I think it was Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley. I don't remember which. That's before they came together. Anyway, uh, the fact is, is we're on the devil's playing ground. We're in his world. And I'm not saying that he's in charge, God is, but you know he's in charge the way things go right now. We're not to fall into his traps. We're not to fall into the traps of the devil. We're not to fall into those traps. And I remember this about that game. I remember that you could fall into the pits where you'd be trapped into uh, the syrup. It was like syrup. It was like you know uh, molasses and all that kind of stuff. The things that seem so sweet, it seems so wonderful, so oftentimes the devil makes things look so great in this world, so wonderful, so sweet, and it's not sweet at all. It's damning. It's damaging. It will lead us to eternal damnation. But people believe it's something that's good for them, and it's not. Right now, we see it in the world right now. Lifestyles that they believe God gave them. Lifestyles where they believe that God made them that way, and folks... God didn't make them that way. God didn't make them that way. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, it says so in the Word, over and over again, so many places. It's not to say that we hate anybody, but folks, it's damning them because they're going over the emotional, the emotional feelings, not the spiritual feelings. People living in sin all over the place, going for things that will hurt them, not things that are good for them. It says in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, this is also speaking to Christians because we're still human. The spirit is willing. We're willing to go on. And by the way, the spirit in this sense is not talking about the Holy Spirit. This is talking about the spirit of humans, of us. The spirit is willing. We're willing to go on, but our flesh is weak. But when we have the Holy Spirit, we need to know better. This one says in Proverbs 1.10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. So if we go on, and by my son, we're talking about a person. We're not talking about Jesus here. Says so if sinners entice you, if we are tempted by fellow people around us, do not consent. Don't go along with it. So oftentimes we're enticed by the people who have the sweets of the world. Don't listen. Don't go along with it. Cupcakes, lollipops, come along, come along, go, let's go with. This is good for you. This is okay with you. It's okay to live this lifestyle that everyone says is okay. Everyone says it's natural. People say God made it. People say it's okay to live this way. No, it's not. You know what lifestyle I'm talking about. I don't have to go into full, into full words here. I don't need to break the code. You know what I'm talking about. People say it's all right. 
Well, we can see that it's not. We see it destroys the mental, the emotional, the physical. We see it does all these things. We're, we're not ignorant here. We know what we're talking about. There's a many, many other things that the Bible says is wrong, and so therefore it's wrong. Why? Because so-and-so wrote it, wrote it out because the Lord told him to, and God made things a certain way, and we know that. We see that the people of the world have a sweet tooth for things that God says is wrong, and we know it's wrong. We know that if you feed that sweet tooth, eventually the sweet tooth is going to be sore, and you'll have to have it removed, and we know that. We know that. You'll enjoy eating the sweets and the candy of the world for a time, for a time, for a while. You'll enjoy it. It's going to taste oh so good to the tooth of the world. Oh, it will. Oh, it almost certainly will for a time. But then after a while, it's going to get rotten. It's going to get rotten. It's going to catch up with you. Your figure will only stay the way it looks good for a time. Oh, it will. You know how good my figure was? Oh, it was never that good. But I'm talking about the figure of the Spirit right now. The figure of the Spirit. The figure of the Spirit, when it isn't following God, is never good. It's ugly and rotten. Ugly to the core. There are people who believe they're beautiful because they look on the outside appearance. But there's ugly as sin. I see people on TV sometimes walking around proud of themselves. Hey, look at them. And they, I won't say names, but I see them all the time talking about, look at so-and-so. Don't they look good? No, they don't. They look like trash because they're flaunting in sin. They look like trash. Oh, who are you to judge? I'm not the one to judge. I'm going by the Holy Spirit. And the fact that they are, I'm talking, okay, physically, yeah, they might be physically attractive, but when the person is flaunting sin, that's not attractive at all. And I can see through what's on the outside because I'm praying for them. I don't want them to go to hell. I love them. I don't want them to suffer. Sweet tooth, nothing. There's another sweet tooth, too, which we'll talk about in a second. It's going to catch up with you. Your sweet tooth of the flesh will catch up with you. And it's going to get you. It'll make you sick. Have you ever in your life as a kid eaten something sweet? Too much of it, and it make you sick. I once did that with pawpaws. Have you ever had a pawpaw? Pawpaws is a fruit. And my, my pawpaw, Grandpa, took me out one time, and we found pawpaws, and he said, all right, Philip, now be careful. Don't eat too much, because if you eat too much, it's going to make you sick. Well, I didn't listen to him. I ate too much, and I got sick. <laughs> he was right. Uh, so if you eat too much of these things, it'll give you a sweet toothache. If you eat too much of the world, it's going to give you a sweet toothache. It says in Proverbs 20, 17, Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. I'm going to say that again. It says, Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. Now that's deep, and it's true. These things that seem sweet to the world may seem sweet for a time. But after a while, you'll be eating an awful lot of gravel. There's nothing sweet about that. You're going to bust your teeth there. 2 Peter 2.14 says, They have eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. They entice unstable souls. Their hearts are trained in greed. They are cursed children. And it goes on to say in verse 18 of 2 Peter chapter 2, for when they speak arrogant words of vanity, they entice their excuse me, they entice by the lust of the flesh and the depravity 
those, and by depravity, those who barely escaped from those who live in error. Folks, it happens all the time. People are eating things they believe are sweets, and it's sad. It's very sad. They believe they're even eating something that's good and sweet for them, and deep down is rotten to the core. It's going to destroy them. I'm talking, of course, in the spiritual sense, and it's rotting the lost. We need to pray for them. I mentioned my grandfather a while ago. My grandfather was one of my best friends. He was my hero. I loved him. I loved my papa. He was a great guy. My grandpa told a story, and I may have mentioned it, I don't know. My grandpa told a story one time about his, him and his brothers and sisters. He lived in Pappinsville, about two hours away. And there was a little town called Rockville, uh, not too very far away from it. And they used to walk everywhere, and they walked there to the store. And when he was at the store, they saw this box uh, behind the, the shelf there where the, the guy who owned the store was. And this box of candy uh, had been sold. And they asked him what he was going to do with that candy. He goes, uh, oh, I'm not going to sell it. You can have it if you want. So he gave them the box of candy, and he said their eyes were just as big as saucers because this is during the Depression. They had nothing. And, uh, so, and there was a lot of kids in the house. So their eyes were big as saucers, him and his little brother, sisters, and all of them. And they was walking home eating the candy. I mean, he was so happy. It was called Mumps or something like that. Really disgusting name. But anyway, uh, it was chocolate, marshmallow, and nuts and all this stuff. And they was eating it on the way home and enjoying it. And they, they went out and sat in the front yard and was eating all the candy. And it got down to nearly the last of the box, uh, second to the last or something like that. They're nearly done with the whole box of candy. And one of the kids noticed there was worms in it. And he said that was the end of the candy eating. He said, I don't know why the guy gave it to us. I said, well, the fact of the matter is that candy man, so to speak, should have told him why he wasn't selling it and shouldn't have offered him the candy. But he did. And folks, that's what Satan does. I'm not, by, by any way, I'm not saying that guy's Satan, okay? I am saying this. So often we start eating candy and it tastes so good and everything. We have no idea there are worms in it. It's not good for us. Rotten to the core. Oh, it seems so good, the chocolate, the sweets within it. And by the time you're nearly eating the whole thing, you're not devouring, it is devouring you. That's what Satan does. We gotta be careful. It says in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who exchange darkness for light and light for darkness exchange bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Amen? Folks, the world is doing that right now. They believe that they're right. And they don't mean to. They just don't know. They don't know that they're not eating candy. They're eating worms. They just don't know it yet. And yet there are some people in this world who literally eat chocolate-covered bugs. And can you believe that? And I want to say this. There are, I'm using that as an example to say this. There are some people who know that they're living rotten. And they do it willingly. And you need to pray for them too. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without criticism, and it will be given to him. You know, my grandfather... In that same place, the same place where he was eating all the bad candy and chocolate, the same place where they found out what was really in that box, the same place where they ate the bad chocolate, years later, 
was feeding us apples and fruit and good candy. His grandchildren would eat that there. They would eat the good fruit. More importantly, my grandpa gave us sweets that are still producing today because it tasted so shockingly sweet. And I'm speaking about the love and the truth, the wisdom of God and his word to this day is still producing. To this day, I'm still tasting the sweets that my grandfather helped us with and my grandmother too. I'm still tasting those sweets to this day. It's still producing within me. God has blessings for all of us. God has sweets that's sweeter than candy. And that's the sweeter than candy that I'm truly talking about today. Not what Satan can give. I would not name the sermon after Satan and his wretched people. God has sweets that's sweeter than candy. God has sweets that's sweeter than all of that. God has something for you. God has uh, substantially something that's substantially healthy for you. Sweet fruit of the Spirit for you. Sweets that are good for you. You know, in that garden that we talked about a while ago. People always focus on that one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They always focus on that one tree where the devil fooled Adam and Eve. They don't even stop to think about the fact that God had many, 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 many trees that were filled with fruits that they could have. But people always focus on the one tree in which they couldn't. And that's the problem. The problem is, it's not that they would not eat of those other fruits but that the sinful nature of Satan and the way man is now, not the way they were then, the way man is now, we focus on what we're not supposed to have, not what we're supposed to have. The spirits of the fruit are quite simple and accurate, and that is love. Agape love, that godly love, which is sweeter than sugar, by the way. That godly love is sweeter than sugar, sweeter than anything you can get in this world. And it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4-7. through 7 which is about godly love. And I mention it in all the weddings. I mention it all the time. Because it, it talks about everything that you need in this chapter. It talks about everything. When it says in, in chapter 13, 4 through 7, it says love is patient. It says love is kind. It says it is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked. It does not keep an account of wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in, with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I'm telling you, that's sweeter than any kind of sugar, any kind of candy you can get here on earth is the love of the Holy Spirit. That's sweet, folks. This is why when people are around a Christian, they can tell because they can feel the sweetness of the love of the Lord God and the Holy Spirit. This is the sweetness. This is what is sweeter than candy, and that is the Holy Spirit. Sweeter than candy. Who needs a candy store when you have the Holy Spirit? I'm not telling you not to have candy, by the way. I'm not telling you it's wrong to eat it. I am telling you, however, though, that sweetness is going to come and go. But the sweetness of the Holy Spirit, when you digest it like you should, will stay with you forever and ever and ever and ever. The Word of God is sweet, not sour, when you digest it appropriately. If you go in with the wrong spirit, looking for it in a sour mind and a sour heart, you're going to see sourness. The world does it all the time. Oh, the Word of God is so bad. 
oh, God, it's so bad. So you hear people do it all the time. Oh, well, it says and so-and-so and so-and-so, and they take it out of context. And so, therefore, they see it sour, and so they taste it sour. But the fact of the matter is it is a sweet word of God. It is the living word of God. It is sweet as sweet can be. Only when you want sour would you find sour. But it's sweet. I'm not much of a sour guy, i got to be honest with you, unless it's sour cream. Also part of why I look like this. But that being said, sweet, sweet, sweet. The word of God is sweet. Okay, let me tell you. The word of God is sweet, not sour. Psalm 119.103 says, How sweet are your, come out the Lord, your words to the taste of my mouth, David says, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Ooh, I love it. How sweet are your words to the taste of my mouth. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now that's sweet, folks. The word of God is sweet. Remember that. Proverbs 24, 13 through 14. It says, My son, eat honey, it is good. And the honeycomb that is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul when you have found it. Then there will be a reward and your expectation will not be cut off. We need the word of God. We need the wisdom of God's word. We need it in our lives. And if we're not eating of it, if we're not digesting it, if we're not taking it in, and then we wonder why I don't feel the sweetness of God. I don't taste the sweetness of God. I don't understand why. Because you're not digesting it. If you're only digesting all the sourness of the world, don't question why you don't taste the sweetness of God. You know why you don't taste the sweetness of God. Because you're not digesting the sweetness of God in your life. My brother back here. I love the fact. You know who I'm talking about. I love the fact, my brother, that you digest the word of God continuously in your life and that is why I always see the sugary sweetness of God coming from you brother I love that about you I love that about you that's wonderful we need to allow the sweetness of God to be felt around us to let the Holy Spirit the sweetness of his word be felt around us and fellow Christians we need to speak sweet and help with healthy living because the sweetness of God should be felt by our brothers and sisters, not the negativity, not walking up to them saying, oh, I don't know about you. You should be doing this better. Than that. No, no, no. Let the sweetness of the Lord be felt in our living and the way that we love one another. Yeah, but so-and-so is mean to me. I know. I know. I get treated mean quite often. I do. And it hurts. I'm not going to say it doesn't. I get mocked a lot. Folks, look at me. It's hard not to mock me a little bit, but you know what? I don't care because the sweetness of Jesus Christ has blessed me. I'm blessed to be who I am. Not because I'm being arrogant, because I'm not arrogant. I've never been arrogant, but I do know one thing. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed to be alive. I'm blessed to serve Jesus Christ, my best friend in the whole wide world. I feel the sweet honey of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life and every day even when I wake up in pain I can say I taste the sweet honey of the Holy Spirit in my life I taste the sweet sugar of the Lord Jesus Christ I taste it better than a Willy Wonka candy let me tell you it's better than anything you can buy because you cannot buy the sweetness of Christ you can feel it by serving him amen amen oh I'm about ready to dance <laughs> the word of God is sweet not sour Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fellow Christians, we can speak sweet to one another, pleasant to one another, not sour. I know how the world is. 
We feel the sourness of the world around us, but don't let it ruin us. Don't let it hurt your teeth. Don't eat upon it. Don't digest of it. When the world gives you sour, push it away from you. Don't go sucking on their lemons. Throw it away. Throw it away. And go buy lemon heads if that's what you really need. <laughs> Get yourself some candy. Don't eat on their disgustingness. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Amen? Amen. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted. Be careful. You don't want to be tempted to go in the wrongdoings too, but pray for them. Be loving to them. Just don't get involved in the same wrongdoings they're doing. See, a lot of people say, who are you to judge? Well, we're not. But you can use judgment. You're not wrong to mention it. But you can be loving about it. You can be kind about it. Don't get involved with what they're doing. Don't go. I've actually had people say, well, I know someone who's going to a bar. Let's, I'll just say, but I'm just using an example. I'm going to, they're going to a bar. They're going to whatever kind of show there, whatever. I'm going to go there too so I can witness to them. No, don't do that. Be wise. If you know that it's that they're going to a wrong place and you know it's wrong, don't go with your flesh there because it may seem wrong at first, but after a while the flesh will take over. You'd be smarter than that. Don't listen to your, your sweet tooth of the flesh. Listen to the wise sweet tooth of the Holy Spirit. You know better than that. Don't listen to the devil who's tempting you. Cupcakes, lollipops, don't do that. Listen to the Holy Spirit saying, stay away. He's going to kidnap you. Throw you in the back of the truck and take you. Put you in prison. Stay away from it. You know better. Let them come to the Lord, not the Lord go to them. You know better than that. First Peter 2, 1 through 3. So rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation since you have tasted that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And we can taste it. Praise the Lord. And this is the verse that I love the most. I'm going to say it more than once. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And I know we've already said it. I love that verse. The Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. He tastes good. He's sweet. You know, I mentioned a while ago that I did not like Willy Wonka at first. I didn't. I didn't like that movie at first. It took me a long time to finish it because I was scared. I was scared. He seemed kind of mean at first. You've seen the film, probably. He At first, when he's talking to the kids, he seems kind of ornery and weird and out there. When I finally watched it all, I realized that he was looking. He was testing someone. He was testing uh, to see who he could give the factory to, who he was willing to give that factory to. That's what Willy Wonka was doing. But now, I can see other things to it. He was looking to see who he could give it to. Just like God is looking to see who wants to be in his kingdom. That's the truth. There's some truth to that. In the film, in order to get to that factory, you had to have a golden ticket. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie or not. But you have to have a golden ticket in order to get to that factory. There's only one way in. That's through that golden ticket. And so, in order to do so, to get that golden ticket, you had to get in there by buying the candy and all that. And the fact is that so many people want the sweets and the blessings of God. 
problem is that so many people are doing the wrong things to get there. They're doing the wrong things to get that golden ticket, which they can't get. There's only one golden ticket in this world. This golden ticket here in the movie. So many people want this golden ticket. They think that they can get to heaven by buying things, by doing things, to get into the kingdom of God. They think if they give enough money, they think if they help enough poor people, by the way, there's nothing wrong with helping people or the poor. There's nothing wrong with helping others. Nothing wrong with going to church or reading your, the word of God. But they think these nice things that they do is going to get them into heaven. It's not going to happen. You cannot buy your way into heaven, and there is no golden ticket like this to get you into heaven. There's only one golden ticket that can get us into heaven, and that golden ticket is Jesus. That golden ticket is Jesus Christ. That golden ticket was not what anyone appeared and thought it was going to be. When the golden ticket came, he came in the form that no one expected. People were expecting that golden ticket to be rich and wonderful and to come shining like gold, but it didn't. And to this day, people don't even a lot of times expect him or want him because he's not what they want. But Jesus Christ is the only ticket into heaven. And if you have not asked Jesus into your heart, into your spiritual heart, to be your Lord and Savior and accepted him. Folks, it's not just about reading John 3.16, but by believing it and accepting it into your soul. And if you have not received him, him, your golden ticket, Jesus Christ, you're not entering to the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to. I spoke to someone just a little while ago. They weren't for certain exactly where they stood. And they are now. The point is that you must know, not wonder, and that I think I know, no, know for a fact where you're going to go when you die. Because life is so short. You know, earlier this week, I was very sad. I still am. But a dear friend of mine passed away. A very dear friend of mine, who I've known for over 20 years, passed away. Just like that. Just a couple years older than me. He left this world and thank God he knew Christ. But life is so short. You never know when you're going to leave. It could be today. It could be five years from now, but it could be two minutes from now. That we could leave this world. And if you have not prayed unto God, you're not getting into heaven. It doesn't matter how much gold you have, even if you have a ticket of gold, you're not getting into heaven unless you have the ticket, which is Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so I ask you, if you're not 100% for certain, pray that prayer of Jesus. Ask him to come in and save you. Make for certain. Because you may not get a second chance. Make sure. As we've been talking today, it may seem strange talking about candy and all those other things. But in reality, what we're talking about is the fact that Satan tries to make everything seem so sweet. But nothing's as sweet as the salvation and love of God. He loves you. He wants you to come into heaven. Make sure that you are. He wants you to feel his love. 
Make sure that you feel it. It's with you now. He wants you to follow him. Follow the sweetness of Christ, not the sourness of Satan. The worms that are trying to appear as candy. Don't go for it. You be very, very careful of what you take in. Be very, very careful of what you digest. Because what can appear to be sweet and wonderful can really be a trick, a trap, and poison. One last time I read Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And the last verse is Matthew 5, 6. And this is very important too. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just pray today, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you, Lord God, that they are here today to hear your word, that they are here today, Lord God, to ask you that you will fill them with your sweetness, with your love, with the sweetness of your word and of your spirit. I pray, Lord God, that we will follow you and you alone. I pray when Satan comes into our lives, which he does continuously, trying to tempt us to follow our emotions, the flesh, the things that we desire that is around us, that we see, feel, sometimes it can even taste, that it can appear to be good for us, but it's really bad. I pray, Lord God, that we'll be wise through the Spirit to walk away from it. I pray, Lord God, if there be anyone here right now who doesn't know you, that they'll call upon you, whether they be here or at home. I pray, Lord God, right now, if there be anyone here who is suffering emotionally and spiritually, that they'll feel uh, compelled and called of you to come forward so that we can pray together for you, Lord God, to lead them, to guide them, to follow you, Lord God. I pray all of this, Lord Jesus, that you help us to find the sweetness of your word and of your truth and out of ourselves. I pray this in your holy, precious name, Lord God. Amen and amen.